Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills, located in Dover, New Jersey. Our desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application for our lives. With that in mind... Look at the people around you. I hear it all the time from people. But some of the other people in the church don't hear it, so be on the lookout for evidence of grace in people. Some of us, we have to change our glasses. Some of our glasses, I only see what I don't like glasses. We need to take those glasses off, and we need to put on the grace glasses. We need to put on what's going right sometimes. Prayer is simply talking to God. Many of us get into the habit of only asking for things, but there are so many things we can pray for, and we notice that in the life of the Apostle Paul. One of his favorite prayers is giving thanks to God for people who are exhibiting faith and serving God well. Every church has faithful people, not just pastors who serve in the congregation, and the Apostle reminds us to thank God for them in prayer. The Apostle teaches us not only to pray for them, but also to look for the evidence of grace in others, and thank God for that as well. To learn more about such a vibrant prayer life, let's join Pastor Jim in Ephesians chapter 1. Now this idea of of waiting for the church to do something is really unbiblical. And it's such an hindrance to the individual Christian. If if you're always waiting for somebody else to do something, that, that is just not the way to do it. And not only is it a hindrance to you individually, it is a hindrance to the growth of the gospel. Here's a a verse that we use as our community group uh, theme verses, but but I want to talk about what it actually means in a second. Uh, John 13, 34 and 35, a new commandment Jesus said, I give to you, this is at the Last Supper, that you love one another. As I have loved you, that you also love one another. Now, how did Jesus love us? Pretty incredibly, huh? And that's the way he tells us to love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Isn't that interesting? Jesus says when they walk into Calvary Chapel, Mars Hills, it's not just the music. It's not just the, it's just not the message that, that, that the way people interact with one another, the way people love one another, that is going to be a powerful apologetic. That is going to be a parable, a powerful defense of the faith. People are going to see that, and they're going to say there's something different about those people. My church, we come five minutes late, and as soon as the thing is over, the priest has barely said amen, or the pastor's barely said amen, or the rabbi's barely said, you know, whatever he says, <laughs> and then they're out the door, cutting each other off in the parking lot. These people, they, they don't want to go home. What's up, with the, what's up with this? And so we love one another. So what does that mean? I mean, what does it look like to actually love one another? Is it like, oh, Hollywood, like, oh, I love you. Oh, you're the best. I just love you. And then, you know, just not care about anything? Well, the same writer, John, writes in his epistle, his letter, 1 John three sixteen. by this we know love. He's saying this is how we know it. 
because he laid down his life for us, because Jesus laid down his life for us. He said, no one takes my life. I lay it down. I willingly give my life because of that. And well, we might say, or because of that, we also lay down our lives for the brethren. Now, now, brethren is, is people that are brothers and sisters in Christ. So he's saying, just in the way that Jesus laid down his life for us, we lay down our lives for others. So does that mean we all need to get up on a cross and die for people? No, that's not what he's talking about. What, what, what is he saying? In other words, we are to make sacrifices for others. We are to make sacrifices for other people in the church to the point in time where it is extremely costly. It costs Jesus his own life. And so he says that's how costly the sacrifices are going to be. We are not, not to be consumers of religious goods and services. That is not what the church looks like. So now, if you are a guest with us here tonight, I want you just to sit back. I want you to sit back and I want you to enjoy while some of the other people squirm in their seat. You ready? Here we go. Here we go. This is a golden opportunity for me to say that some of you who have been here a long time should be volunteering in the church and serving other people. You should be doing that. If you are physically unable, you say, oh, can't do it, I'm physically unable, then try to come an hour before church starts and do the heavy lifting in the prayer room. There's something for everyone to do. Now, here's what people say. I have to pray about that. (laughs) Okay, I get that. But, but... (laughs) It's not so much that I have to pray because we're supposed to serve one another. It's not so much that I have to pray that I, whether I have to serve one another or not. You can, you can try different things. We have a joke around here. Like, you know, when you serve at a volunteer position here, it's not a life sentence. All right. We're probably not going to ask you if you want parole, but. But, but it's not a life sentence. You can try something and move from, from, from something to something else. Uh, I used to be a volunteer crowd control youth person for many years. Some of you are like, right now I'm wishing you still were a crowd control youth person for many years. Um, but, but often when you say I have to pray about it, let me tell you what you really should be praying about. You have to be praying about what you're going to drop to obey God. That's Probably the bigger problem than anything else is that it's not that people, people say, I want to serve God, but I have this reason why I can't. So we need to be praying about what we're going to drop so we can serve God instead of whether we should serve God or not. We are commanded to serve God. You don't have to think about that. You don't, you don't have to think about that. Again, if you can't physically do it, come and do the heavy lifting in the prayer room. Pray in between the services. Do whatever you can do. But we have to give certain stuff up. Same thing with our money. We're always like, oh, I would love to contribute to, to some to some money to stuff, right? We don't beg for money. We don't have to beg for money. But but a lot of times we don't have money because we're praying about, oh, God, should I give money? Should I not give money? Uh, instead of saying, God, what should I give up? What are the sacrifices I need to make? 
in order to serve you better. Now, if you're new here, I'm not looking for your service. It's just a lot of paperwork. I'm not looking for your money. I'm looking for you to be famous in heaven. Seriously. I don't want all of us, the Lord comes back, we all kind of walk in at the same time, and people are like, who are you guys? Calvary Chapel where? Like, I want us to be known. But I also want to talk to the people who are already serving here. Are you doing it because you love God and you love his people? Is that why you're doing it? Or is there some other reason you're doing it? Are you doing it out of compulsion? Or are you doing it with joy? If you are criticizing and complaining while you are serving, you are not doing it for God. You're not. In fact, you're sinning. And the same is true is if you're not trying. If you're not trying your best or you're just going through the motions. We are not volunteers. We are not people doing a task. We are servants called by God to change the little corner of the area in which we live. And we do that among a whole host of reasons by creating a culture of faith, hope, and love and doing it with joy. That especially includes people you don't know. What is your thoughts about people in the church when they come in and you don't know them? Remember, if you're one of the people here who regularly serves in the church, if that's you, raise your hand. Go ahead, raise your hand. Look at them, see? You can, now you know who to chastise after the service. Okay? Remember this. At every post, you are the Lord's representative. Every post, no matter where you are, when they pull, from the time somebody pulls into the parking lot or if you update something on the website or something like that, you are the Lord's representative. You say, is there anything in the Bible about this stuff? Exodus 23, 9 also says, Also you shall not oppress a stranger, for you know the heart of a stranger, because you were strangers in the land of Egypt. You know what it's like to be new. We all know what it's like to be new. We all know what it's like to walk into a place where we don't know anyone. Now, some of you might be pushing back and say, Pastor Jim, I don't oppress. Okay, probably, that's probably right. But do you welcome? Do you welcome? You know, I often say to people around here, you know, you may be the first person that's been glad to see that person in a long time. You know, there's a lot of sad and lonely people that have nobody who's ever glad to see them. What an opportunity you have. You may be the first person that anybody's heard in months say, you know, I'm really glad you're here. I'm really glad to see you. For some people, you may be the first smile they've seen all week. What, a, what an opportunity. Leviticus 19.34, the stranger who dwells among you shall be to you as one born among you. What is he saying? Treat them as family. And you shall love him as yourself for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. Let's go to the New Testament. Romans 15, 7. Therefore, receive one another just as Christ has also received us 
to the glory of God. The English Standard Version puts the same verse this way. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. You know, in verse 16, he says, I do not cease to give thanks for you. What is he thanking God for? He is thanking God for the people in the church in Ephesus or the surrounding churches who are exhibiting their faith, who are showing others the way home to God. And, and here's another thing that I love about him. He's, we tend to only pray for people who are in trouble. Did you ever notice that? I mean, you're at your small group and somebody's like, oh man, you know, my, my, my job, we're having big cutbacks and, and, and my car's breaking down and everybody's like, oh, we got to pray for that brother. And then some woman says, I'm doing good. I got a promotion. You know, I, I'm dating this guy. It looks like it's going good. He loves the Lord. And we're like, we don't need to pray for her. Right? That's, the way, that's the way we think a lot of times. He, notice what he's doing. He's praying for people who are doing well. We tend to think that people who are doing well don't need our prayers. But they do. And God, why? Because God is using them to bring Jesus to the world through serving others with their gifts in love. Notice he says the prayers do not cease. Now, that, does that mean that's all he does all day long is pray for the Ephesian church? Well, if that's true, then he's lying to all the other churches that he said he was praying for. It seems to me it means that, they're, that my prayers are ongoing and they're planned. I'm, I'm, I, I, I continue to pray. I plan to pray. I'm systematic about the way I pray. His prayers are not selfish. His prayers are grateful. He was grateful for the work that he saw of the grace of God in their lives. Why? Because he was looking for it. Because he was looking for it. What a call for all of us who would say that we are Christians. If you're here tonight and you're not a Christian, we're so glad that you're here. It's important that you know this stuff. See, what a call for us to look for evidence of grace in people's lives and to be grateful to God for it. Just even if it's a little thing that you know somebody's been struggling with or they haven't been doing well at, or you just notice like, wow, man, they're really getting good at that. And just to really notice the evidence of grace. Not to, not to say to them, listen, I, I, people say, oh, you're good at that. I'm just like, whatever. I, I'm not the, maybe it's my person. I don't really need the compliments of people. But when people tell me they see God at work in me, that jacks me up, man. I'm jazzed about that. And, and so when you see God at work in people, tell them. Now, don't send me a bunch of dumb emails tomorrow saying we see God at work in you. Look at the people around you. I hear it all the time from people. But some of the other people in the church don't hear it. So be on the lookout for evidence of grace in people. Some of us, we have to change our glasses. Some of our glasses, I only see what I don't like glasses. We need to take those glasses off. And we need to put on the grace glasses. We need to put on what's going right sometimes. Now, as we move to verses 17 to 19, we're actually moving, believe it or not. Um, <laughs> the Apostle Paul continues to pray for them and for us. Verse 17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom. Now, if you're using the New King James, 
it has spirit in, a, in the small s. I think it should be capitalized, but I'm not going to get into that argument today. I reserve the right to possibly come back to this passage at another point in time. I like the way I snuck that in. Okay, that, that the Father of glory may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Now, that's why I think it should be a capital S, because I certainly know that we need uh, we may be born with a little bit of sanctified common sense, but we need, the, we need the Holy Spirit for the revelation in the knowledge of him. So the Apostle Paul asks the Lord to give the people of God in Ephesus Holy Spirit-empowered wisdom and revelation. He wants them to have vision. He wants them to have insight. He wants them to have discernment. Know what's what's up, what's right, what's wrong. He wants them to to have understanding. Why? Why? So we can, he says here, in the knowledge of him, so we can know God more completely. So what is God, what is he saying? God, I want you to give these people that I'm praying for, he's writing to them, I've been praying that God would give you spiritual eyes. Initially, to see the Lord. Again, if you're here and you're, and, you're, and you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, the Lord wants you to see Jesus Christ on the cross, crucified in your place for your sins, so you say, that should have been me. That should have been me. He's taking the punishment for me in my place. That's what it means. Jesus died on the cross for our sins. He died instead of us. And I'm going to put my trust in Jesus that his sacrifice pays for my sins, not any of the sacrifices that I may or may not make. So he's, we initially we see the Lord, but now for these people, primarily believers that he's writing to, he is praying that they grow in a deeper knowledge of God. Now, here's one of the things that that we all have to admit. We all need a much deeper knowledge of God. I have the, the joy, it's the absolute joy of being able to spend most mornings every week, at least four mornings, sometimes five, studying the Bible. It's just, it's just a wonderful blessing to have. I know some of you are thinking right now, really, Jim? Your sermon should be a lot better. Uh, but, but I have that joy to be able to do that. I know considerably more about God than I used to. Considerably more. But the more I learn, the, real, the more I realize there is so much more that I don't know. So let's just put it this way. Um, if let's say I knew an inch and maybe I know three feet now, it's just that I thought God was maybe over by New York City. And now I realize maybe he's like by Jupiter, (laughs) the knowledge of him. So the knowledge of God is immense. You will never, ever know it all. You will never, never owe it all. They keep looking for more galaxies and more universes. It is never going to know it all. And so he is praying for a deeper knowledge of God so you and I would know and the church at Ephesus would know who he really is. Now, what I find is very interesting. This type of talk from the Apostle Paul, if you track his writings, often comes when he's in prison or when he's traveling. 
Why does he talk that way when he's away? Because who's always hot on his tail? The false teachers. And so he's praying for all of us because he's not around anymore, that we would be aware of such things and our knowledge would grow deeper. Yet he was always dependent upon the Holy Spirit to help, and he wanted people, as we say on the front of our bulletins, to become committed followers of Jesus Christ. Uh, Spurgeon said, Charles Haddon Spurgeon said words uh, to this effect, Without the Holy Spirit, it would be easier to teach a lion to be a vegetarian than an unsaved person the gospel. So, so we all need the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit to see God for the first time, as we just said, but also for our eyes to see daily who we are in Christ, which we covered in verses 3 through 14, and we will get to in the weeks to come. I love Paul's confidence, his boldness. It's not arrogance. His confidence is in God and in God's ability to open the spiritual eyes of others. How, how confident are you in God to open the spiritual eyes of others? Others, that brother-in-law who always makes fun of you every Thanksgiving and Christmas, that cousin, that neighbor, that person in the next cubicle that you want to club, right? Are you confident in their ability, in God's ability to open their eyes? You say, I don't know. Let me just give you one evidence that he can do it. He opened yours. <laughs> he opened mine. So the people that we think are furthest from God, are we confident in God's ability? And the, and the apostle, like any good pastor, and remember we always say the apostles were pastors, wants the people of God to know Christ more intimately and deeply, and he longs for their maturity. This is one thing that breaks my heart. I know so many people who would say that they are Christians and they know so many things about, about so many different things. I mean, they know so much, but sadly, their knowledge of God is what? Tanking. It's declining. Now, this is what we all say. There are so many more distractions now. And it's easy to blame all the distractions. And there's a lot of them. I'm not saying that there's not. That's why I tell people, uh, the people say, yeah, I can't concentrate when I try to spend time alone with God. I go, is your phone dinging? <laughs> well, yeah. I go, well, there's a, there's, a, there's a problem right there. But this is soul searching, very soul searching. Have we given into the distractions or... Have we really just settled for a superficial knowledge of God? Is that really what it is? If, if you don't want that, you and I must pray for a deeper understanding of the word of God for ourselves and for others. In his classic book, Knowing God, by J.I. Packer, if you haven't read it, you have to, or else I won't be your friend. 
I don't read a lot of books multiple times, but it is a classic of classics of classics. J.I. Packer says he noticed four characteristics of those who know God intimately. Number one, they have great energy for God. Number two, they have great thoughts of God. Number three, they have great boldness for God. And number four, they have great contentment in God. You've been listening to Changed by Love, the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Dover, New Jersey. Our hope and prayer is that all of our listeners would grow into committed followers of Jesus Christ. And we're overjoyed to play whatever role we can in helping you mature in your faith. Would you like to know more about us? Maybe you'd like to pass this message on to a friend or family member. If so, go to our website at www.changedbyloveradio.com. Maybe you have a question or need some guidance. We don't want to replace your pastor, but we are here to help. It's so easy to contact us. All you have to do is call, click, or write. Our phone number is 973-659-3380. That's 973-659-3380. Our email address is info at changedbyloveradio.com. And our mailing address is changedbylove, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. Once again, that is Changed by Love, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. You may be surprised to know how excited Pastor Jim and the Changed by Love radio team are to hear from you. In fact, it's common for Pastor Jim to pass on your encouragement to the congregation here in New Jersey, since we consider all our listeners part of our family. That's all the time we have for today. Our sincere hope and desire is that you will join us again next time on this radio station as we continue teaching the Word of the Lord. We here at Change by Love pray God's best to each and every one of you today. Until next time.